Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q-Sum, and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. I'm super excited to be joined in this episode by someone who is a learning technologist with an interest in games, cognition, inclusion digital, and all things technology, really. There also is a certified member of the Association of Learning Technologists and a fellow of the Higher Education Academy. On the side, they freelance a bit as an instructional design consultant, Higher Education Northwest project. But what I saw on the website was something that they wrote that really captures who they are. So let's see if you can guess who this person is. Once upon a time, there was an educational developer. Although teaching was their thing, it was sometimes hard to find it. Note, plans, will they help? How about trying without, they thought with a gulp. They ventured wholeheartedly into endeavours, but sometimes they would review dragons, monsters and girls galore. Technology, their shield, content ready to wield to face foe unknown. Their trusty companion, pedagogy, always they follow. So in they sped, ready to fly. No notes or plans to be seen, as they knew it was all in their head. Technology, content and pedagogy did come, but no foe did meet. Only friends were found, and together their fuse did compound. But through collaboration, any foe we can defeat. And aside from this amazing paragraph they wrote about themselves, they are literally big on escape room, Yoda, I must say, and a rather lot of gifs of dogs and cats on their social media. That I have no comments. Hope you can guess who they are. It's the wonderful Rochelle O'Brien. Rochelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. What an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That paragraph I saw on your website, I just had to read them out. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> a bit of a blast from the past there. Oh, how are you doing anyway? Yeah, really good, thank you. Really busy, as I think most people are at the moment. How about yourself? I'm good. Not bad, not bad. So perhaps let's start us off then. What one interesting thing have you done recently? Unlike a lot of people, I've been quite enjoying lockdown, to be honest. I've taken it as an opportunity to start a bit of a Lego obsession. I've actually been working with my partner to build the Lego modular series. So we're currently working on the corner garage and it's displayed in front of me right now. You've got to show us one day of this Lego model. I guess we're all a bit of a Lego fan, right? Even though you know, we are in our adulthoods. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've been following the fantastic work that you've been doing on your escape room and so forth. And at the same time, you're a learning developer, right? Do you want to share a bit about what your role actually means? So um, I'm actually in a bit of a transitional phase at the minute because I'm moving from one job at the University of Liverpool to a new job with Durham University. So I'll tell you a little bit about what my job entails right now, but that may change. I am responsible for working with various different staff in our institution, both from professional services, from careers departments, from academic staff, everybody. I try to help them with curriculum development. So that can mean anything from using different types of technology or 
learning about different types of pedagogy as well that they can utilise. I think you've kind of already touched on that one of my area of special interest is the use of games. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. No, that's fantastic. Congratulations on your brand new role as well. Thank you. So you're in your new role then. Will you be doing something similar or is that quite different? I'm actually going to a team that has an ethos of playful learning. My introduction to the team so far has been via lots of pirate themes. I've currently got a photograph of me on their team site with a tattoo of a pirate school photoshopped on my head. So (laughs) I'm fully expecting when I start my new role, there's going to be a lot of being a bit creative, being a bit playful, but mostly the same sort of thing. So, you know, supporting different staff with the use of technology and pedagogy within their teaching. That's brilliant. I can imagine you you need to buy a pirate ship to go with your pirate hats, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) No, that's brilliant. I'm excited for you in your new role. Hopefully we'll continue to follow what you're doing and yeah looking forward to see how you develop in your your role as well so one thing that you're quite big on is escape room do you want to tell us a bit about this work that you do i'm going to go back a little bit and tell you a little bit about my inspiration because that context might help to make a little bit more sense my first sort of inspiration with games was my brother i've spoken about this fairly recently he actually developed this really nifty trick so he was told that he had to play with me You know, most siblings have to do that. But my brother was 10 years older, so he was quite a lot cleverer than me. I mean, he is anyway. So he decided that he would change the rules slightly so that I had to be able to win something to be able to play with him. So his favourite game was Sonic the Hedgehog. And he used to play these levels and he'd say, when I die, you can take over. The thing he didn't tell me was that when I was going to bed early, like all kids do, He was staying up all night playing. So the likelihood of him dying was really, really slim. So I used to sit for hours just watching him play on these games. And I think at that point I was like, oh, this is rubbish. I don't get to do any of it. It's really boring. But then something kind of clicked and I was like, well, actually, I'm not actually playing anything here, but I'm kind of enjoying watching the process of him figuring out how to do it. And I guess that is really my initial inspiration for using games as part of learning that was then sort of made bigger again when he started having children so I've actually got three nieces and a nephew who are varying in ages from 10 to 17 so legally allowed to drive which is a little bit scary and watching them grow up and learn through play and they've got a real interest in computer games and they've all got really different interests as well so one is really artistic and enjoys just plowing her time into artwork and one loves Harry Potter but the thing that sort of connects them all is the fact that they all just love an adventure and I think growing up as somebody who has had adventures and has listened to stories and has watched my brother play and sometimes played myself very very occasionally It really gave me an interest in what are these games doing that make them enjoyable? And I really wanted to understand how that applied to education, which led me to escape rooms. So all of that, I kind of came across escape rooms and I was like, okay, well, these are kind of like problem solving activities, which is kind of similar to what we're doing in education. So is there something that I can do here to bring that problem solving and apply it to learning and maybe make the learning a little bit fun and I quickly discovered that I got so much enjoyment out of creating them 
but I really wanted to find other people who'd enjoy like developing them as well because then I got to have some fun too and it kind of went from there and it's spiraled a little bit because everybody seems to be really enjoying it at the minute so yeah that's how I got there. Yeah that's brilliant I think just listening to your story how you were playing with your brother and then that led on to creating escape room and I think we all like playing games playing games brings out our you know competitiveness but at the same time understanding ourselves a bit more you mentioned about play and games and people who might be listening right now might be a bit confused between the two could you just tell us the difference or the similarities between the word play and games sure okay so testing my memory now um so play is something that you do for the purpose of playing you don't do it for any reason at all really it's just something that you do because it gives you enjoyment the point at which play turns into a game is when you start adding things like rules and having conditions and competition and all of those different elements that you might associate with a game so basically play is done for its own enjoyment and a game is done with a purpose that's brilliant. That's a good definition for those two words. And if we then apply, for example, uh, the, these two words of play and games into your escape room, how do you think this whole virtual escape room differ to, you know, physical escape room? And more importantly, how does it apply in the educational sector? So I think the kind of things that you're sort of mentioning there are exactly the kind of things that you would hope to foster in actually developing an escape room. So that sense of desire to complete it and that sort of pressure to actually finish it and get out which if you can apply that kind of concept to learning and make somebody so engaged and excited about what they're learning that they just have to get more I think that's a really really good thing and if I ever figure out the exact formula to that I feel like I might be very rich but I'm working on it so I think with escape rooms there's many different elements you can focus on fostering and it completely depends on the subject and the purpose of it as to which one you would play on more so there's one that i'm thinking of that i've developed for my management school students and the intention with that was to bring groups of students who were previously quite disparate and from very different backgrounds and maybe weren't able to communicate effectively or haven't had the opportunity to and the intention with it was to make them come together and have that opportunity to develop teamwork in skills so that they can quite happily then go and work with other students on group work, for example. Um, so in that escape room, there was a lot of emphasis placed on the fact that they had to, for example, one person had to hold a device, one person had to find a password, one person had to go and search for information. So giving everybody a different role in that so that they all have a different opportunity to succeed. And in doing that, I think the thing that surprises me about escape rooms is that they kind of keep momentum for themselves. And I think this is part of it coming from a video game. So that sort of engagement and motivation is inherent almost. And if you can include some sort of intrinsic feedback in there so you know little motivational messages or gifts of animals as you said I use quite a bit you know things like that there's there's ways to keep people like really engaged and get them to move forward 
that's kind of how the steps I sort of go through to apply it to education. No, that's brilliant. And you, I really like the fact that you touched upon this whole motivational, you know, engaging the students in this virtual way. Another point that I really like is that you mentioned the diversity that you can cater for. How have you found when you worked with your students in your management course, you know, the feedback from the students? Have you had any positive feedbacks from those students in terms of using your escape room to help their learning? Yeah, um, in that instance, I, I actually embedded the feedback as their final task. So I utilised the escape room to get the feedback as well. I managed to get feedback from 10 student groups, which was 150 students in total. One of the questions was a star rating on how much they enjoyed the activity, and it got 4.6 out of 5 stars. 100% of the students enjoyed the activity. They felt they'd met the learning outcomes. They felt like they might like to try it again. The feedback for it was really, really positive. I think they went into it not knowing what to expect. And it was really nice to see that at the end of it, they felt like they'd gained something from it. It's good to know that they'd be open to trying something similar in the future as well. I think that was one of the, the key questions really of, you know, would you like to learn this way in the future? And the answer to that was yes. So it's good. And the course leaders that I worked with actually described this activity as the golden thread and I know that previously they'd had real challenges with asking these students to to work in groups because as I say that they're from such diverse backgrounds but that challenge wasn't quite as apparent after these sorts of activities and there are many reasons that that could be the case it could just be that it's a different group of students and they were more willing to just join up in a group and get on with it but it's quite nice to think that maybe them having that experience and being given the opportunity to really have to work together so early on in their course may have impacted on their future experiences as a cohort. No, that's brilliant. It's fantastic. You've had poor hundred students taking that part. If I'm thinking back to my first year, it's that nervousness, right? You don't know so many people in that first year and suddenly you've been put into groups and you're expected to work in a group to try and achieve this goal of, the, of this task that you've been given and that was a challenge because one you need to know your group but at the same time you need to understand you know their strengths and weaknesses within your group and the hope that you'll be able to finish that task and that was a challenge when it was in person and I can imagine the challenges that they are going through right now especially getting to know each other in a class is so difficult and I really like the fact that but you know your escape room for example, is kind of really highlight the benefits of group work in students. And it's breaking the ice because they are having fun, but at the same time they are learning in their course. The soft skills that, that comes with it is so important because you're not just there gaining the knowledge, but it's all about gaining those other skills that you have to become graduate that is employable ready at the end of it. So by doing, I think your escape room example is just brilliant in terms of getting to know other people in your group, you know, communicating with other people, and I really like it. Well, I hope that I can be able to use some sort of escape room in the future because it sounds really, really interesting. And I bet you have lots of people coming to you, Rochelle, in helping to design an escape room. Very much so, yeah. I, I think one of the real like beauties of using an escape room, and this isn't, it's not specific to an escape room, it's more sort of general to using sort of games in education. It kind of levels the playing field a little bit because nobody really knows what to expect. So everybody comes in not really knowing what to expect. And I think for some people, it will take them back to childhood and those memories of 
playing for other people they actively play now and it's something that they're quite interested in and it almost gives people the opportunity to show a different part of their identity and if you can then apply that to the course material on a kind of lower level not pressurized this isn't part of your assessment sort of thing then I think you can really start to foster that coming together of different people because you're having conversations about something that isn't related to the course so doesn't necessarily feel pressured or competitive because you don't have to know everything or you're not worried about not knowing everything but equally you get the opportunity to take on a different role and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same role as somebody else it's just whatever feels right to you to be honest that's been what's really helped me with my learning because I've fairly recently finished a master's myself And I know I was a fully distant student and it was really, really scary going into a chat room as it was for me or a discussion board and thinking, how do I introduce myself? Like, what is it that other people actually want to know? Like, what matters? I'm I'm not the kind of person to go and reel off a load of quotes because I don't have that kind of brain where I like remember information like that. And I admire people so much that can do that. But then it's like, well, what value do I have to add? And I think at that point, I came to the conclusion that if I'm going to be true to myself, I have to be honest. And to be honest, I have to go into something and think, well, this is who I am and sort of be proud of that fact. And I really want our students to be able to pull that sort of individuality that they have and that uniqueness and that real important aspect that they bring to them, course themselves and feel comfortable to show that to other people and then we can utilize that as educators to try and make the learning experience better because what better way to learn them from each other wow there's some really good tips there in terms of don't be scared and being honest with yourself especially as a new student as well and congratulations on your masters thank you <laughs> wow you did that alongside your job i did <laughs> <laughs> and that's really an interesting point you raised there you did that alongside your job but with your your other job as an educator wearing your student hat as well how did you feel that you kind of know how the system was working with learning online did it impact on your student thinking perhaps? it's really really strange so it should have shouldn't it i mean logic says yeah I would have gone into that and deconstructed it but I didn't at all I think the point when I went to do my master's I was so ready to learn that I just forgot everything intentionally because I didn't want to go into it and be you know how can I help them to make this better I tried to just forget everything and go into it as student me and get the best possible experience I could from it and if I said it was easy, I'd, I'd definitely be lying. There were there were definitely points where I was like, I can't do this. Like, you know, I'm nowhere near good enough to be being educated at this level. But then at some point it kind of clicked for me and it was like, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm good enough or not. What matters is what I can bring to it and equally what I can gain from it. So I tried to just, you know, learn as much as I can. I guess I turned into a sponge and I tried to approach it as a sponge ready to take in information. No, that's brilliant. And I think hopefully that experience of going back, you know, doing masters from a distance as well, it's giving you that glimpse into how students are experiencing right now in the current climate. And it's brilliant. We have heard about the positives and the benefits of doing on playing games online and bringing that into the educational system. 
if we are to think about the opposite, what are the risks that can bring into the educational space in terms of using games, for example? I think the biggest risk is making assumptions. So we could assume that everybody wants to have fun and we could assume that everybody enjoys learning in that way. I think finding a balance is probably the biggest challenge in utilising games um, as somebody who delivers with them because I don't want to alienate people who don't want to go to the lecture to have fun. And because of that, I tend to not position it as, come on, everybody, let's have a great time. Instead, I will position it around the education. So the education has to stay as the most important aspect, irrespective of what we're doing. I think another real challenge, and this is something I experience personally, I really don't like competition. I think people's assumption with games is that it directly relates to competition. And I tend to sort of shy away a little bit from adding competitive elements to things or, you know, like points where you can rank yourself against somebody else because that's not something I enjoy. And I think it's really, really important that you get to know your student group and you design activities like this. And it's not just with games. This is generally to play to their strengths. And that means not expecting them to be competitive if they don't want to be. And I, I think that's just a general thing. I think that's probably the biggest challenges. I think otherwise it's there's quite a lot of assumptions that using games means you have to be good with technology or you have to have experience of video games. I think the thing I try to encourage with the people that I work with is, you know, take inspiration from something that you enjoy personally. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most innovative in the world. You don't have to design like a best-selling game for EA that is going to make them millions of pounds. You just have to design something that's authentic to you. And if that means that you really enjoy playing Scrabble and you want to add a word search to your course, go for it. And I think the other thing is, you know, don't feel scared to try it out and use that as a reflective activity for yourself and for your students and say, you know, I'm going to try this out with your students. I want you to tell me what you think. And we're going to use that experience to shape something else we do on the course. Because there's nothing wrong with your students knowing that you're learning as well. I think that's something that's really important. Actually, you've covered the other question I have for you. And that was, so for example, we might have some listeners who are might be feeling a bit not very confident in terms of getting started in creating games or activities for their students. And you've just mentioned some really good Rochelle's top tips there. And if we're looking forward into the future then, how do you think your work will evolve in the higher education as everything is changing at the moment? I think that's a really, really important question and a really hard thing to think about. So I'm really interested in motivation and in cognition I think you've already mentioned and emotion and engagement and all of the things surrounding that as long as the work I'm doing is helping me to understand how I can help my students that will be the way that I work and at the minute that happens to be escape rooms in the future I don't know how that'll look but I, I guess like for as long as I can take inspiration from other people that's kind of how my work will be shaped and I know that's not a specific answer and I know that's not very concrete but it's kind of one of those things where it's like well what is going to be the thing that is motivating people in 10 years it's really really hard to figure that out but I guess yeah my area of interest is motivation and engagement 
and that's why games happen to come in right now but that's subject to change no 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 that's fair enough fair enough because we don't know what's going to happen so okay let's finish this episode then with a quick firing round a bit of fun maybe as you call it <laughs> um just for us for our listeners and for myself to get to know you a bit more so these questions are short and it should be easy because they're all about you um so are you ready uh, i think so i'm a bit nervous <laughs> <laughs> no need to don't need to be nervous my tip to you is to just not think too hard okay We'll see how it goes, but it should be fine. Okay, so the first question is, tea or coffee? Oh, tea. Always tea. Lots of Always it. tea? Always, yeah. Lots of it. <laughs> how much are we talking about? <laughs> um, on a really stressful day, maybe 15, 20 cups. <gasps> Whoa! Preferably on an IV drip if possible. <gasps> wow! Okay. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. I'm basically a teapot. <laughs> Your favourite board game? Oh, that's really hard to answer. Probably Monopoly, even though I never win. Well, it's the taking part, right? It's all about the fun aspects of that's it. playing. That's exactly it. <laughs> How about your favourite online game? At the minute, World of Warcraft, because I get to go and fight baddies. What are your favourite hashtags? Hashtag Femedtech and or probably LTHE chat, because I do lots of that. If you are to pick one learning and or teaching platform or tool, what would it be? OneNote, because it's really, really versatile and simple, just like I like my technology. Great. Three words to describe yourself as an educator. What I'd hope other people would think of me is relaxed, maybe a little bit crazy. That's really hard to answer. I was going to say innovative, but that sounds really silly and I don't want to use that word. Playful. Let's go for playful. So relaxed, crazy and playful, which really don't make sense together, do they? It makes sense in their own little separate, unique ways. Just for you, Rochelle. Sounds just like me. (laughs) Just like me. (laughs) What do you do to recharge yourself after a long, stressful day at work? I usually read books or walk my dog. Hmm. Okay. So other than your phone or any mobile technology devices, what would be the one best thing to carry around and to show students and or colleagues when in corridors on campus? Uh, Probably maybe five Lego pieces because there's so many different combinations of things that you could always show them something different. Do you always carry them in your pocket then, I guess? Um, I I often have Lego somewhere on my person, yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty weird admission, isn't it? (laughs) You see, this is why I'm good at being online. (laughs) Okay, the next question is spoon, fork, or chopsticks i'm asking this question because i saw that on your birthday year you challenged yourself of learning to use chopsticks so just want to know oh my gosh um i wish it was chopsticks but i'm still really really rubbish at them um so probably spoon okay invisibility or super strengths invisibility oh always invisibility favorite music genre oh no this is like this is really showing how cool I am. Um, probably like, I don't know, pop punk or something like that. Let's go with a like Green Day. <laughs> that kind of genre, because I'm cool. <laughs> what would be your alternative career that you secretly wish that you had never actually pursued? It would definitely be something working with neurodiverse young people, children, young people. So yeah, maybe 
charity work, something like that. Brilliant. Who is your favourite learning teaching hero? Oh no, am I only allowed to choose one? I could heroes. You can be all heroes. <laughs> okay, um, so it's going to have to be my personal learning network, my wonderful ladies, which are uh, Sue Beckingham, Deb Baff, Suzanne Faulkner, Sarah Wright, and. Dawn Bell. Oh, wow. There you go. Wow. Very got, lucky. They've got a fan. They've got a really super fan. <laughs> yeah, totally. Big fan club. Oh, that's so nice. And finally then, because a podcast is called The Education Burrito, what's your favourite burrito fillings? I'd say medium salsa. I really like me some refried beans, so I'm going to change it up and go for refried beans. Probably chicken and all of the sour cream. And now I'm really, really hungry. <laughs> and that's all we have time for in this episode. If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, Rochelle, how can they do so? Uh, probably Twitter. That's the easiest thing. I am at Rochelle E. O'Brien. Oh, that's brilliant. Fantastic. And big, massive thank you to you, Rochelle O'Brien, for sharing with us and what you do. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.